Get the inside scoop on the biggest NBA news and hear from the stars on and off the court on the Woj Pod. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining me from Boston, Massachusetts, his wrist and arm is feeling better. Tim Bontemps. I was trying to remember the last time I did the pod from here. It feels like it was six months ago. Been all over the place. Yeah, you've been up and down. You're out in California. You're all over. But we're glad your your wrist is feeling better after that difficult fall last week. <laughs> I appreciate Sir, it. I'm being honest. You think I'm joking. I'm being honest. I'm glad. Makes two of us. Man, you missed a chance last week to comment on Bontemps wiping out in front of the White House. But we're not going to cover that ground. No, they'll, they'll trust me. I got my shots in. They just weren't for public <laughs> consumption, which made them that much more uh, unfiltered and honest. That's right. Well, that's Ben McMahon um, back after his brief hiatus. Um, Howdy, partners. So uh, I wanted to start off here talking about two teams in the Eastern Conference up, up uh, Bontemps way that are, um, I don't know if you think they're underachieving or not. I guess it depends on your perspective. Um, one is um, right there in Bontemps uh, home there with the Celtics who lost last night to the Hawks um, to fall under 500, seven and eight on the season. Now um, we obviously know that uh, Jalen Brown has been out with a hamstring and uh, will still be out for a little while. And that certainly has to be recognized um, as an issue. He has got off to a pretty good start this season, but that said Bontemps, um, you know, I'm not sure that a lot of people saw this team as a seven and 18, 15 games into the season, regardless of that. And I got to tell you, as I'm looking at them, I mean, I'm not excited about them at all. I, I, I mean, obviously they can play better than they have, but um, I'm not looking at them and saying, boy, just wait till they get it revving up and they're going to be a factor. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes for just about everybody who lives in Boston, too. I mean, this this has been a this team has been a source of frustration for people here for a while. And I think the start of the season has only exacerbated that. And and really, to me, it just comes down to more than anything else to play Jason Tatum. I mean, you can go through the Celtics schedule and, you know, they lost a couple double overtime games. They blew a couple big fourth quarter leads to Chicago and to the Cavs. You know, if those games go a different way, they could easily be sitting here at you know, 10 and five, 11 and four. And, you know, everything looks a lot different, but ultimately Jason Tatum is shooting 39% from the field and 32% from three and is getting to the line five times a game and is just not playing well enough. And, you know, for all the other problems the Celtics have, they've had some injuries. They saw some depth issues. Their offense in general has really struggled. You know, if Jason Tatum is going to be shooting under 40% from the field, he this takes is not a lot a of bad team. shots, man. He just takes a lot of bad shots for a guy of his skill and size. Just there's a lot of times where if you're a Celtics fan, you're like, why are you taking that shot there? Or if you're well, Marcus Smart, forget the Celtics fans. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're talking about a guy who, uh, you know, I believe would be considered the, the leader in that locker room who very blatantly and very loudly and publicly called out the two young stars, basically, hey, we've got five guys on the floor. The rest of us would like to see the ball every once in a while. Um, you know, maybe you two could, could give it up or move the ball a little bit. And, man, like, forget about the frustration of the fans. When you hear a guy like Marcus Smart, you know, a, a respected veteran who – just signed a, a, a contract extension expressing that kind of frustration in the first month of the season directed straight at the two guys that they're trying to build around, man, that was a uh, pretty, well, this, is a, this is a raw number, but he's playing uh, about a minute and a half more per game this year than he did last year. So more court time, he's taken about two shots more a game and he's averaging about one less assist a game. Mrs. Tatum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's, I mean, don't even ask about his field goal percentage. As Bontemps mentioned, it's he's, he's taking the highest three point percentage, the most, the highest percentage of his shots in his career from three are is this year. He's taken about 38% of his shots are from three. 
he's shooting only 32% on them. Um, well, the bigger issue, the bigger there. issue, even than that, Brian, is every year in his career, his shot profile has gotten farther away from the basket. His distance per shot, it went from, I think it was 12 something, 12 feet something his rookie year. It's up to over 15. This That's year. right. I'll give and, it to you. I have it right in front of me. Okay. His five year career, or is this his uh, fifth year? This is his fifth year. Average shot distance 12, 7, 13, 6, 14, 4, 14, 6, 15.1. And he, to your point about the difficult, by the way, his field goal percentage, here's what his field goal percentage is done. 48, 45, 45, 45.9, 46, 39. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, it's not great. And you mentioned the difficult shots. He is a, you know, avowed fan of Kobe Bryant and he takes a lot of Kobe Bryant shots. And when you're six, Kobe Bryant wasn't six ten or whatever he is. Well, that's what I mean. When you're hit, when you're his, when you're Jason Tatum's size and skill level, like it's to me, it's inexcusable for him to be shooting thirty nine percent from the field or anything. They haven't close listed to that. at six eight, but he's taller than that, right, he's, man? He's I, like this is that's sort of a Kevin Durant six nine situation, okay. and I think he's probably six right. ten. And he with his with his ball handling ability, like he just doesn't get to the basket enough. And he's kind of said he's. You know, he gets asked about it plenty and he sort of says, yeah, you know, people, you know, said I need to get to the basket more. It's something I've worked on. But, you know, he likes to take these difficult isolation, step back, sidestep jumpers, and they look great when they go in. And he has nights where every shot's he's going got in a lot of clutch awesome. shots on his resume where he's done exactly that. But there's a the misses are piling up, man. Yeah. And if it just if, to, to Marcus's point, like Tim said, those comments came after that loss to Chicago when they were up 14 at the start of the fourth quarter, were down 14 at the end of the quarter. There was such a bad quarter. The entire starting lineup was on the bench for garbage time. And again, they led by 14 at the start of the quarter. And Marcus came in and unloaded. And look, I think it sort of just does sum up the situation around this team. We've seen Ime Udoka, the new coach, come in. He has not been afraid to say things publicly. After the Celtics lost on right. Monday in Cleveland, he came in and said Jason Tatum needs to do no, a better job. They won job. on Monday. I think they lost I'm sorry. on Saturday. They yeah. lost. They blew a lead on Saturday and lost. They played the Cavs two games in a row. He yeah. came in to his post game session on Saturday and said Jason Tatum has to not drop his head and focus on other things and he doesn't make it shots. Like he has come out very stridently a few other times in the media and said stuff. So it, there's just a lot going on here. And you mentioned, you know, Robert Williams is missing some time now with his knee. Jalen's been out with a hamstring. They've had some close losses. This whole thing could look a lot different. And frankly, their defense has been pretty good. I mean, I thought they had a chance to be a top five or 10 defense. They're right now, I think, ninth in the league in defense. That part is pretty good. The offense was going to be the question of whether this team was going to be a 500 team or better. Right now, they're ranked 23rd. They got a well, bunch me, of guys me, who can't hit a I shot. I mean, are they? Let me just ask you this. Last year, they went 36 and 36. Yep. Right now, they're seven and eight. Yep. Okay. They've had some injuries, they've had some close losses. Yep. Why should I believe that they're not just a 500 team? I think they very well. I mean, maybe they, if... they brought in Al Horford, I guess, you know, Kemba, they sort of swapped Kemba for Horford. Not sort of. They did. Yeah. And they signed Schroeder. I mean, is that a major upgrade? I mean, maybe they're just a 500 team. I think there's a good chance they're a 500 team. I do think there's a chance that they could be better than a 500 team because their defense had a chance to be better with the swap of Horford for Kemba and some of the other moves they made. And their defense is pretty good. And if their defense is somewhere between five and 10 and their offense gets up to, you know, 15 or a little higher instead of 23, that's a team that's in the mid forties and wins. And, you know, maybe he's in the top six in the East and, you know, is, is better than last year. They also could very well be 42 and 40 and be the eight seed. You know, I, I, I think either way, to your point coming into this, they have two elite young wing players and they're a team that their ceiling is probably losing in the first round of the playoffs, which mm sort of sums up the the rest of the roster and the situation that they're in. So McMahon, Marcus Smart is playing career high 36 minutes a game. That's three minutes more than he was last year. Uh, Ime Udoka is boosting some of the front line's minutes. Yet he's averaging a shot and a half less per game. Even Um, with Brown missing time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we know that um, it wasn't just pointed at Tatum, as you said, it's pointed at Brown. I mean, he and yeah, he and Jalen, you know, rubbed up against each other in the bubble. If you remember, it's not a new it's not a new uh, irritation for Mark. Right. Not that and, I think Marcus should be getting high volume shots. No. And and I don't necessarily 
I didn't necessarily take that as him saying, I need more shots, just him right. saying, Hey, the ball needs to move. Um, and you know, if he's saying that publicly, like if he, if uh, he obviously walked into that post game, uh, press conference saying, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put it all out there. You've Tristan got a Thompson ma- style. <laughs> yeah. You've got to imagine that, uh, that he said plenty, um, you know, privately. Well, look, in, it, that was the, the meetings sh- or on the bench or, or in the locker room or whatever. Those two guys sharing the ball was the number one topic of training camp. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown got to share the ball more, got to move the ball more. They're going to be hubs of our offense. They're combining to average 5.7 assists per game. Yeah. That's just not going. Oh. Well, at least they've got, <laughs> at least they've got Schroeder to, uh, to set the table for everybody. <laughs> so when Dennis Schroeder is leading your team in assists, as he currently is, it's not a great sign as a coach said to me this week. Yeah. So I was, I was, it's good. I was talking to a, uh, an old head in the NBA this week. And he said to me, you know, Brad Stevens is a good coach, um, but he's conflict averse, um, which that can work. It doesn't all, you don't have to be fiery. Um, Ime Udoka is not conflict averse. Definitely not. And so that's a pretty big changeover right there. Um, and Bontem said it. Um, a couple of times this year, including this week, Ime has come out in public and gone after his guys. He is not afraid to he lit them feathers. up. He lit them up twice in the first week of the season. Right. <laughs> like absolutely lit them up relatively. Them. relatively no, I mean, he, he blew them up, I would say. I mean, the yeah. first time they lost to the Raptors by 30 in their home opener. That's understandable. The second time they played the Wizards, they had to come back in the second half. They lost. He came in and said their effort was crap and shoot around. He knew they were going to be crap in the game. And then they were. It was like, <laughs> it was like, whoa. All right. I like it. I mean, I like it. Well, I mean, it's, I, it's it, a it, huge it, change to your point from where Brad Stevens was before. I mean, it is a totally different approach. Well, you, you like it because, you know, it's makes for good material for us to, Great to for us. talk about. That's right. Has, well, has I like, rea- I like realism. You know, I don't I, like I hear you, phoniness, but, ha- but has it worked? Seven. I mean, we're sitting, okay. So, well, look, here's, you know. but here, here's the other thing too, with the Celtics, right? I mean, to, to, to look at it a little bit differently, Tatum is probably not going to shoot 32% on threes yeah. the rest of the season. Al Horford shoot 28% on threes. Marcus Smart shoot 26% on threes. Aaron Neesmith shooting 17.9% on threes. A little bit of this is they have guys who are decent shooters who can't make a shot. And that will probably normalize some. And I do think their offense will get better. And I do think they're going to be decent. But yeah, when, like it's like you said, Brian, at the very beginning, this team doesn't excite anybody, right? When you have two guys that are as good as Jalen and Jason are at this stage in their career, you should have a little bit higher ceiling than we're hoping to get out of the playing. And really, when you look at the Celtics, regardless of these, you know, kind of issues on the margins, that's what their ceiling is. And that, I think, has to give you some concern, given that after this season, Jalen Brown's got two years, so he's a free agent. And you start to get into the territory of what are these guys going to start to do next? And Jason Jason Tatum after this year, well, three years on his deal until he could be a free agent. You know, it's like time goes by pretty fast. And all of a sudden, they go to a plenty of time spot. They still got plenty of time, but I mean, they have to decide what they're going to do to get more out of this roster because you have two guys like that. You shouldn't be 500. Right. Period. I mean, that's just, that's just the reality. Um, all right. So the Knicks, um, the Knicks bing bong bing. Well, that was when they were five and one, they started out five and one. Well, it was after the first win over the Celtics in overtime. That was where bing bong came from. The one in double overtime against the Celtics. They had this amazing video, uh, I think it was NBC or not NBC NYC side talk sidewalk talk. I can't remember the account, but that's where it came. Well, from. well, when it, the magic comes to town, it's ding dong <laughs> <laughs> magic beat their behinds in the garden twice. Um, yeah. Um, Cole Anthony, by the way, who, although he didn't have a good game last night, who we didn't know how he was going to play with Jalen Suggs. They're playing them together and Cole Anthony. I mean, the magic aren't winning a lot of games unless they play the Knicks, but, Cole Anthony's having a pretty good year. Cole Anthony oh, he, has he's, been, he's been the awesome. best player. Yes. Yeah. That's been a huge turnaround. And and Suggs hasn't been good yet. Um, you know, Suggs is struggling, just like Jalen Green's struggling in uh in Houston. And you know, Cunningham's starting, I think, to come around in, in Detroit, but 
you know, those top five picks who are kind of supposed to be generating offense with the ball in their hands a lot. It's, it's been a rough go so far. Well, they're starting two rookies. So when you start two rookies and Cole Anthony is a second year player, when you, when you are starting three guys who are, have one year or less experience, I mean, you, that's not a recipe for winning, but you see flashes though from those guys. I mean, it, they got, they got a pretty interesting, they got a pretty interesting future now with Wagner and, and Suggs and if Cole can keep playing like this. We'll see if they sign anybody. Okay. So the Knicks start out five and one in there. They won in Chicago and they beat Philly. Um, it's, you know, Breen's yelling bing bong at the games. It's, everything's <laughs> going great. Now they're eight and seven and they're, it's, you know, it's, it's very obvious if you watch the Knicks at all that their starting lineup is just getting nothing done right now. Bontemps, I think you have some numbers. Uh, yes, the Knicks starting lineup, as of recording, has played 43 more minutes than any other lineup in the NBA, any five-man unit, 257 minutes. They're being outscored by 16.3 points per 100 possessions and have a defensive rating of 119.3, which I don't think is very good. Is that good? I don't think so. It ain't going gonna, ain't gonna to work for Tibbs. I was talking to somebody who sat a couple of, of rows behind the Knicks game last the other year, night. Much less this year. Yes. Right. I was talking to somebody who sat like real close to the Knicks bench the other night in, in the garden, and he was saying that Tibbs <sighs> is in prime form. He is not a happy man, and he is letting it be known. <laughs> If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or bike plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. The NFL schedule drops this week and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Well, hell, he wasn't happy at five and one. Imagine now. Right. So Julius Randle got off to a really good start. He hasn't really had a good game by the standard that he set last mm-hmm. year in a couple of weeks. Um, Evan Fournier Whew. has gotten off to a good start. He got off to a decent start. Not really exciting, but it was okay. And um, basically, Tibbs doesn't trust him right now. He's been benching him in the fourth quarter for the last couple of weeks. He won't even play him. He's not. He's he's benching his whole starters, dude, in the fourth quarter for games. Um, well, in part that, of that, that's not sustainable. When 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 you, when you have the number one most played off most played unit together in the league, and they're getting outscored by sixteen points per hundred. That's right, and and the it's bench, a miracle you're above five hundred at that. Well, level. and the part of the reason they are is their second most used lineup, which is their all bench group of Derrick Rose, Manuel Quickly. Alec Burks, Obi Toppin, and Taj Gibson is outscoring teams by 28 points per 100 possessions in 89 minutes. And so that is basically the Knicks have fallen behind because their starters have gotten waxed. And then they've stormed back into games repeatedly because their bench has come in and turned the game around, which, you know, it's good if your bench is doing that, but it's bad if your bench is having to do that every single game because your starting lineup is getting drilled. Well, Well, it's killing them. It's it's bad if you go out and you make two major additions in the offseason, Fournier, who you paid a lot of money, and then you know Kimba was basically a, a mid-level type addition. But still, those are your two major additions. And I'm looking at yep. a Stat Muse tweet right now. In the oh, last, I saw that earlier. In the last seven games, Fournier has played a total of five minutes in the fourth quarter. Kimba's played a total of 10 minutes in the fourth quarter. Combined in the last seven games, 
combined, they're averaging 16 points on really bad shooting percentages. Well, the thing about it is those guys are not going to defend. So if they're not scoring, Tibbs is just not going to stand for it. Right. And they're not scoring. So Tibbs is right. not standing for it. You know? Right. Um, he, he's, I think he's had one or two fourth quarters where he basically hasn't made a sub. No, so yeah, like, he's had, he's had, yeah. I mean, he played, um, they against the Bucks last week, he played the starter, the bench unit for the final 15 minutes of the game straight because they, <laughs> right. they, they made a huge comeback at a game I was at and nearly pulled him back and won the game. I mean, Fournier got off to a really good start, which is why he's still shooting 41 overall and 35 from three through 15 games, even with as bad as he's played, but he's been bad for a while. Randall, to your point, uh, Brian, you know, he's putting up good numbers, but he's still taking really difficult, sort of like Jason Tatum. He's passing more, but he's still taking really, really difficult isolation shots to sort of weigh down his percentages, which in theory he was not going to have to do when they added Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier and these guys. But, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of a the Knicks are in kind of an interesting spot because, you know, even though they came into the season without huge expectations in New York um, for what they were going to be, they got off to that hot start. They got those good wins. People that got excited and now it's completely reversed the other way. And, you know, there is a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of dissension in the ranks from well, RJ Barrett too, to RJ Barrett. The Knicks, you know, he, he quietly had, you know, the two guys picked in front of him, although Zion's not playing, but the two guys picked in front of him, obviously get a lot of attention, mm-hmm. but Barrett quietly, even within his own team, he had a really good soft, really good season, season last year. Yep. He played every game. He shot 44%, which it was an improvement. He shot 40% on threes. He averaged 18 points. He averaged six rebounds. He was doing stuff. I think the Knicks, you know, they weren't going to trumpet it because everything they do these days is quiet, which isn't the worst idea in the world when you're sharing the city with the Nets. Um, they, I think, quietly expected him to like have a big breakout third season. Like, you guys keep talking about Ja and Zion. Well, here comes RJ. Well, that could still happen, but he, his shooting has gone the other direction. His scoring has gone the other direction. His, yeah, his percentages um, are right back where he was as a rookie again. Yeah. And, you know, his minutes are down because Tibbs isn't playing him as much. So, you know, I mean, he's had a couple of games where he's looked great, but, you know, he's also, a, I mean, when, you, when you're looking at the Knicks this year, you're thinking, okay, we know they're going to defend because it's Tibbs. That hasn't happened. They get Kemba Walker for almost nothing, even if he's only good one out of every three games. It's a big upgrade. That hasn't really happened. You see Fournier, they're like, oh my God, that's, a, that's another weapon that can um, put some points on the board when they need it. It hasn't really happened. So, and then some of their other guys have backslid. So there's just, there's nothing that has gone the way that they thought because they, you know, the, the concept of them getting better was kind of hard to see. They were 10 games over 500 last year and got the four seed. If they had duplicated that this year, it would have been a great accomplishment. I don't think I was expecting them to leap, but I was expecting them to at least stay in neutral with the additions that they made. And maybe they will in the end, but they are not doing that right now. Well, I think it was probably not reasonable to expect Randall to have another year like that. You know, that's very likely going to be his career year. But, you know, as you were saying, it was reasonable to expect Barrett to continue uh, his development. And certainly felt like they at least added some scoring punch with Fournier and, uh, and Walker. Now I'm going to say with Fournier, like if you give a guy $78 million, shouldn't you wait more than like two or three weeks to pull the plug on him? Well, I, and I, there, I would say, I would say that I wouldn't quite go so far as to say they're pulling the plug on him, but you he's know, played five minutes in the last seven, fourth quarters. I understand that, but that I I'm telling you, Tom is going to this. He's going into these rotations with this starting group and this bench group. And when the bench group plays well, Tibbs isn't the guy to like, well, I got to get the starters back in. It's like we're cracking the whip and we're riding the guys who are in the game to the end. It's not, you know, that's not, I don't think it's a, I, I don't, I mean, in the, the opener against the Celtics, I think 48 played 45 minutes and had 35 points, right? Like <laughs> Tom is a reactionary guy in these games. He's just going to play who's playing well. And, this starting group is not playing well. And I think the better question is at what point do you switch things up? Do you not start Kemba Walker? Do you not start Evan Fournier? Do you move things around that way? Because 
like Brian said, you can't have the most played lineup in the league and have it getting you drilled every night and win games. Like that's that's not a sustainable formula for it's success. No matter what else is going on. It's driving our guy worldwide Wob crazy. He's, that doesn't uh, take know, much. He's driving crazy. Like he's sinking into madness every night. He puts these videos up every night. He's getting angrier and angrier. And I'm like, buddy, it's mid-November. You got to pace yourself. You got to pace yourself. But that's the thing. The Knicks have increased. You know, the the the, the um the expectation is raised. It's not a honeymoon anymore. By the way, they haven't played the toughest schedule because even some of their tough games, like they won in Philly um, last week, without it. I think. That was Embiid's first or second yeah, game. Yeah, Embiid and no Embiid, no Tobias. They were down no Embiid, no Tobias Harris. They were down several players. Right. So, like coming up, they go. They have to play Chicago. They play the Suns. They play in Atlanta. They play in Brooklyn. Chicago again. Denver. Uh, Milwaukee. Golden State. They do. They do get to play your Rockets twice in the next few weeks. Like man, so that's uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the they better. Rockets. They better. I, I they, to... they better win those games. Well, I tell you what, they've, you know, the Rockets and Magic, there are some similarities there. So those could be challenging. <laughs> right. That's true. Um, all right. Well, you know, I, I, um, I, I, I'm not excited about the Celtics. I'm just sort of wake me up when something happens there. The Knicks, I really thought that they would be better. And I was excited about their start because the league is better when, the Knicks are, are are competitive. Well, we've got this uh, Celtics Lakers game tomorrow, and that's going to be a pretty interesting game for both these teams. Had a bunch of losses well, lately on both sides. Yeah, LeBron may be back. That's that's going to be a pretty interesting game. You know, Celtics went on this road trip and struggled again. The Schroeder revenge game. That's right, Dennis Schroeder revenge game. That's it's going to be interesting. Uh, that's going to be an interesting he, game. What's he going to do? What's you know he could do? He could score thirty five or he could score five. I have no idea. He's actually been decent for them. Um, no, he's helped he a, them. He had a bit of a they, slow start, but he's played well. They won that comeback, and they they really won it because Mobley got hurt, I guess. But Schroeder like led them to the win in Cleveland the other night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on a team that can't score, he's provided them some some legitimately yeah. important scoring off the bench. He's been, and now he's starting with Jalen out, so he's he's been pretty useful I don't, for them. I don't think he's a difference making player, but I do think that he's not a problem. <laughs> of what they're dealing with. He's not been a problem. Um, okay. I all, I think that it's um, at this point, uh, one of the things we haven't really talked about a lot on this pod early in the season is the two teams that were in the finals last year. <laughs> um, the Suns and Bucks. Uh, the Bucks have really been banged up, but the Suns have had some adversity um, going on in this season. Uh, McMahon and I were there. Uh, when uh, all that went down, um, that's yeah, the only and, time we've discussed them on the pod so far. I know it wasn't. I mean, McMahon, I think that night, um, they beat the Rockets, you know, wasn't that competitive of a game. I guess it was close for a half. They had some nice things happen that game. It was the only time I think in my career where I covered a game and there was nothing after the game said about the game that was played, right? Devin Booker and Chris Paul gave interviews about the Robert Sarver story. And they never discussed one second of the game that they had just played in. Um, that's partially because they didn't make anybody available before the game when that normally would be would be done. But um, that's just an example of how that's been distracting. Um, but they have won. Um, <laughs> as of doing this pod, they play again against the Mavericks. They have a, a double uh, homestand against the Mavericks. They beat the Mavericks on on uh, Wednesday night, and they've won ten in a row. Yeah, they beat the, they beat the Lucas Mavericks. They they don't have, it's they've played a soft schedule. They don't have a, a win that you would point to as like wow, you know they they've really beat a good team. You know they, I did stick around. You, you bolted down because you're kind of a diva. I did stick around to yep. uh, watch them play the Hawks that weekend. Um, you know the Hawks are better. I think it's fair to say they're better than their record. Um, so they they came back to beat the Hawks. It was kind of a classic. Uh, Chris Paul takeover in, in crunch time performance. Um, you know, last night they didn't shoot the ball well at all. Chris Paul was like oh for a million before he finally hit a shot. But you know, they they dominated down the stretch. You know, again no Luca. But I think you know when you look at the Suns, uh, the, you know, Aiton has missed a pretty significant time. That's um, the other but, adversity. They've had Sarver and Aiton. Aiton's barely played. 
Right. Aiton's missed a lot of time. They've been a very good defensive team and a very mediocre uh, offensive team this year. And then they've just been great closing games. I, I think you, it's reasonable to say, hey, they're going to be a great closing team. In, Sounds in, familiar to last year. Wait, weren't they a dominant closing team last they, year? Also? You know what? They, they were 25 and 12 in clutch games, but I, I went and looked and their net rating was, you know, it was like plus one. Um, this, right now, this is tiny sample size theater, but it's like plus 61. <laughs> oh, wow. In, in clutch. Yeah. But, you know, Chris Paul has established himself. I, I think it's fair to say that if you're talking about the best closers in the league, if he's not number one, he's really, really high on that list. Um, but he hasn't, you know, his scoring is at a career low right now. And I, honestly, I, I don't think it's anything other than he's not shooting the ball that well. Um, and maybe part of that is he's had a couple of games where he shot it really, really well, but overall shooting is down. His, his, yeah, like last night, he, he just missed some really good looks. Um, you know, I, I think he'll end up shooting the ball fine over the course of the season. Um, and as long as they're a, a, you know, really good defensive team, I think they'll be in the thick of things. So here's the thing. Uh, I am impressed with the 10 game win streak in that they have had to deal without Aiton, who Aiton was a big factor in the win over the Mavericks. It's a, yeah. it's the best game he's played in a while because the injury and um, put up really good, efficient numbers. He was totally the DeAndre Aiton that he was in the playoffs last year in that game. But I will tip my cap to them to say with the Sarver stuff, which affected them not just um, uh, in a couple of days after it came out, but in the week or two before it came out. I, I know I was around them, they were a little bit tense tense about it um it so i can on one hand say to win to be 11 and 3 and to have a 10 game win streak despite those factors is good um but yet i have not been super duper impressed with them despite their that record which i think is fair to say when you're coming when you're coming off the finals you have a high standard but here's what i'm getting to november 30th golden state warriors at home december 3rd golden state warriors on the road Christmas Day, Warriors at Suns. So between now and Christmas, they have three meetings with the Warriors. Um, hopefully they stay healthy, but right now um, they're relatively healthy. They also, um, uh, Cameron Payne, they missed him for a bunch of the season with hamstring. So, but right now they're relatively healthy. So Clay Thompson may, may end up playing in one or two of those games. But mm-hmm. so we're well, going to see Christmas, those three- maybe not, not, not okay. the first two. All right, well, he's cleared for contact, which is cleared for five-on-five contact, which is more than we can say for Zion. <laughs> um, uh, the, the, the Pelicans have given more Zion Williamson, he's not back yet, updates than they have wins, and that is a true statement in itself. But I digress. And they haven't given, they haven't given a whole lot of those either. Well, they've given four of them, and they have two wins. And the fourth update was that he has gone from being allowed to play five-on-zero to playing one-on-one with contact. So uh, check back in two weeks. Um, these games, these three Warriors games, um, obviously they're going to be in November and December. They're not uh, part of a playoff series, but that is where we will see where the Suns are because the Warriors are certainly the class of the West. Um, don't look like there's signs of any signs of slowing down. And so we are going to see just how good the Suns are, McMahon. Yeah, the, the, the Warriors against the Nets, that's about as strong a statement as you can make in November. And, and I, I do just, listen, I don't mean to be the hoop collective critic here, but let me just call out knee-jerk Nick Fidel. This guy had the Warriors in, in, in like 13th in the West before the season, and now he's playing <laughs> the freaking championship parade under pot earlier this week. So knee-jerk Nick, I'm not trying to hear his baritone bullcrap. OK, <laughs> let me just start there. And while I'm at it, let oh, me get more? on old. Got let, more? Me get, let me get on Mac 10 seed. OK, <laughs> our boy McMiniman. Mac 10 my seed. Goodness. I mean, making every excuse in the book for them giving up Caruso and oh, this, that and the other. I tell you what, and we'll, we'll talk about the Bucks. You know, Giannis must have been absolutely dominant last night when Mac 10 seed is tweeting complimentary things, including, quote, he schooled Anthony Davis one on one on several possessions. Ah, boy, I just, I, I know that was tough to type out. When band and I agree on something, it's a, it's a momentous occasion. 
You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. McMahon, uh, he's, his week off of the pod, he came ready with uh, some, some vinegar. Here. Ready with takes. <laughs> ready with takes. I mean, I, I love those two doofuses, but boy, oh boy. Well, to, to McMahon's comments on the Warriors, it, it was really wild watching that game. I was in Brooklyn on Tuesday, watched that game, and it was really wild to see the Warriors playing like it was 2015 again. It was a really weird thing. Like those two years before Durant showed up, that team was sort of mm-hmm. like a religious experience going around the league. Like you yeah. had all the fans running out to see Steph shoot for 90 minutes for the game. And like it was sort of it was just a wild scene. And it was like that again on Tuesday. And they were playing like that again on Tuesday. Steph's flying around. That bombing ball from 30 is moving, feet. boy. The Ooh, ball's moving ball around. Draymond Green is playing great. He was he was unbelievably jacked up, flying around, making defensive plays all over the place. He clearly was motivated to play that game. They've got bench guys contributing, guys like Gary Payton the second. Um, you know, they've got, you know, they're throwing Jonathan Kaminga out there. Was he was say, flying Kuminga around making like plays. A guy who's ready to contribute to a contender. I mean, Kaminga had like three or bench, four plays. Three or Kuminga's- four plays Kaminga had where you were like, whoa. Yeah, man. Whoa, good and whoa, bad. There was it was all <laughs> over the place. But yeah. he, if he's going to play like his hair's on fire for 10, 12 minutes a game, he can help them. So, look, I'm really fascinated to watch these Warrior Suns games because I think they are the two best teams in the West as of now, not just in record, but in terms of overall ceiling. And I think is if you look at the way the Warriors play when they're playing small with Draymond, they're back to being pretty devastating again with that group. And they're only going to be more so when they could plug Clay in there if he could give them anything close to what he used to be. Mm-hmm. And Phoenix is the one team that I think has the flexibility to play big against teams like Utah and Denver because they've got Aiton. And then they can also go up against a team like the Warriors because Aiton is quick enough to stay on the court against some of those teams. And they've got a bunch of you know perimeter guys and Jay Crowder and Mikael Bridges. Chris Ball still a good defensive player who could stick with Golden State's perimeter guys, and they could go Cameron back. Cameron Johnson forth. hasn't had the best season so far, but when you have Cameron Johnson and Mikhail Bridges, you have a lot of flexibility to do some things with your lineup. Yep. Yeah. It, it, it felt going into the season like the West was absolutely wide open, which was the case last year. It doesn't feel that way right now. <laughs> I, I think the Warriors have established themselves as the clear cut class of the Western Conference. And, you know, obviously, Steph playing at MVP level is a huge part of it. But like you mentioned, Bontemps, just the way that the ball's moving and the fact that they are by far the best defensive team in the league. And, you know, that starts with Draymond, who, you know, if we're going to have defensive player of the month, he would be that dude. But, dude, you look at that bench. They're bringing Iguodal off the bench. Gary Payton II is a stud Defend. I mean, you know, G League defensive player of the league. He is an absolute elite defender. Kaminga has, you know, like Draymond said, Kaminga has all the tools to be a defensive impact player, and he's getting this like master's level education from Draymond and from Iguodala. Um, and I mean, you look at the roster; like they're bringing back. I don't know if Weissman's going to hurt or help. We'll see. But you know, Clay, I, I obviously think he's going to help. They're going to have like 
legit 14 rotation caliber players, including some, you know, all time, you know, Steph is a top 10 ish all time player. Draymond is a, a top, you know, whatever. And Clay is number 77. <laughs> yeah. And they, the great, I mean, that, that was, that was a pretty great line. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, they, they, they've certainly set themselves up really well and, you know, they're going to be, um, they're going to be a factor, uh, obviously, at the top of the West. But like I said, I think Phoenix is going to be right there. And I I do. I'm really curious to watch those matchups because I I mm-hmm. think the Suns have the ability to hang with them on the perimeter and they're versatile enough to play different ways. Like I, you know, that that could be like right now, if you ask me, I would say that's the conference finals matchup. And, you know, I think that could have the have the makings of being a heck of a series. So I'm very well, excited to watch make any games. assumptions about conference finals matchups. In November. Well, I'm just saying, I'm saying as of today, like, Oh, I'd, speak. So yeah. Let's also not, let's not just dismiss the Denver nuggets. Um, yeah. Assuming, and this is a knock on wood that Porter well, will be back at some point. Well, and you're right. Murray will be back. That's, that's, I'm, that's I'm a, very worried about the, Porter, the Porter thing. They've given like no real update. Yeah. And it's like just lower back soreness, which well, and, and with his history, obviously, if it was the guy with with no back history, like okay, he's he's you know he's back locked up, but I'm worried about that one. Yeah, that that's concerning. definitely that's a, a, a also you know, he's not played al- well this year, alert. but which indi- uh, indicates maybe it didn't just start bothering him. Yeah, no, but back to my uh, hoop collective critic mode. Uh, first of all, <laughs> way premature on MVP talk, but Bontemps, did you hear who Wendy was already stumping for? Did you hear him stumping for oh, Nikola oh, Jokic? It. I heard. Oh it. man. I heard Jack it. ass classic right there, boy. <laughs> Once again, I was not, I was not criticizing Jokic's MVP case. I, 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 for some reason, this has not gotten through after all these months. I was saying that a player shouldn't be invalidated because he gets hurt. Okay. Okay. Whatever. I know it's it's mid November and suddenly you're like flying the Serbian flag and I'm, you know all kinds of stuff here. So I just I'm I was just, just saying. saying the guy's having one of the. He also insulted all the. He also. Still insulted all the stats people because he said PER is the only inclusive stat uh, in boy. In basketball. Sure Kevin Pelton ex- told me the machine says he will never make another appearance after that. <laughs> if you can't get sure on the war exactly train, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not sure. Okay, it's one of the stats. Okay, sorry, but I'm not sure that's exactly <laughs> what he said. I'll tell you is this, guys. All you people who've got Steph Curry in ink for your MVP, you better hope he doesn't miss 10 games because if he misses 10 games, you're out. We're not baby. talking about the MVP you're in November. <laughs> oh man. You can say MVP level. You I'm cannot start you, building cases before you they've better played hope. a quarter of the season. Listen, if a player rests, he's to be applauded, but if he misses a few games with a sprained ankle, you're out. <laughs> that's, that's the message I've been told. Straw Paul coming so in Steph a few... better play. Steph better play 77 games or otherwise no way. Well, that's straw polls coming in a few weeks. Get your popcorn ready, folks. Are we yeah. straw polling in a few weeks already? A few weeks. By the way, I didn't say way, tomorrow. I said a few weeks. Oh, Jesus. I'm just saying, like, if you didn't believe that, that, that Embiid should be the, the MVP because he missed games, then you shouldn't have been second in the voting because you shouldn't have had him on your ballot at all. If he was in, if he didn't have enough votes to be on the first place line, what, he should have been on the second we, place line. What are we doing I thought I banned right MVP talk to the All-Star yeah, what are we break. doing? What are we this doing? You've, you've taken McMahon this. did it. It's McMahon's fault. It is McMahon's fault. Let's talk about the Bucks instead. Let's transition. <laughs> this to is that, my please. podcast. Speaking of MVPs, let's talk. Let's about talk Giannis. about the Bucks. Yeah, you, you want to yell? You want to yell? You want to yell more about Jokic and Embiid, Brad? <laughs> Would you rather no. do that? <laughs> this is my podcast. Let's talk about the Bucks. I just didn't want. To, I didn't want you to have that power. Um. Uh. How about uh, Giannis in a you know, high value, obviously LeBron didn't play, but in a high value game, national television game against the Lakers, he's just like, yeah, I'm going to go out there and not really do anything like special. And I'm just going to throw 47 up there. I'm going to shoot like 17 or 22 and you know, no big deal. I mean, that, that performance reminded me the way of like LeBron. I mean, dozens of games in LeBron's career would he would go out and like casually, have like 37, 12, and 8 um, back when those numbers were considered exceptional. Um, just and he, he would like, yeah, just he didn't even really even hit the gas. And that's the way Giannis looked to me. And that's why 
you know, they were below 500 or whatever because they had all these injuries. Um, when you got a guy like that who can play like that, the, anything's possible. And um, I know the Bucks got to clean some stuff up. I know they got to get uh, healthy bond temps, but I know you've seen them quite a bit this year. But, man, that was just a reminder of who the champs are right there. Yeah, I enjoyed Anthony Davis after the game saying, oh, yeah, he started off as kind. I mean, he said some nice stuff. He said a bunch of nice stuff about Giannis, but he started off by saying, eh, yeah, he went three for four from three and we want him to take those shots. Well, Anthony, LeBron, uh, Giannis went uh, 15 for 19 from two, including dribbling down on one possession, walking through you like tissue paper and dunking <laughs> on your head. So, uh, yes, I would say that uh, the two point shooting was pretty good for Giannis. And uh, I mean, look. I was around the Bucks last week. It's obviously how I banged my hand up, as we talked about last week on the pod. And it was interesting, even though they were in the middle of a pretty rough stretch of games, a bunch of losses. Um, you know, Chris Middleton was out with COVID. Brooke Lopez has missed a bunch of time with a back injury. Um, Bobby Portis missed a bunch of time. Drew Holiday missed time. Um, despite all these guys being out and them trying to kind of mash unit their way through the start of the season, they were absolutely not concerned. And they were just... Very confident that once they got their guys back, got everybody locked in and playing, they were going to be just fine. And well, and look, if you're in the West, you're looking over at that beast in the bay going, Oh my god, we're behind. But if you're in the east, who are you scared of? Yeah, and and opening night, they sure didn't look scared of Brooklyn opening night. I mean, they beat the crap out of the Nets when the Nets that's had, right. You know, the Nets had every I mean, they sat since game seven last year talking about, whoa, you know. When we're healthy, we're so much better. This they had all the motivation in the world to go to Milwaukee and spoil a little ring ceremony. And, and the Bucks teams the tend Lakers to play come to town last night. night. The That's teams right. always get their butts kicked on wing on uh, ring night. That's right. And the Bucks and the Bucks will say we had our team healthy for one game this season, <clears> and it was opening night, and we demolished the Nets. So, but it, that it was just interesting seeing the feeling around the team and kind of being around them for a couple of days and just how relaxed they were. Even in the middle of, I mean, not, they weren't happy they were losing games, but they also weren't worried about where they were headed. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the Nets earlier, you know, set the Kyrie situation aside. I just look at this Bucks team. I thought coming into the season they were the best team. And I think when they've got everything revved up and going, they're going to be the best team because Giannis just looks awesome. His free throw shooting, his shooting in general looks better, he looks more comfortable with that. He's made some changes to his routine. Seems much more confident in it now. And the Grayson Allen. Those addition, numbers still aren't great. They're not great. But, but, but he, he's but not. He looks, I don't think. He, I don't think he's. I don't think you should have the same fear level that you might have in the past. No, and in, and after going seventeen for nineteen in Game Six, you probably don't ever have to really again, frankly. But um, Grayson Allen looks fantastic for them. He's been. He's complete. I mean, he missed a bunch of shots last night, but he is perfectly slotted into their trade. system. That was a really great was trade. It really was. I mean, look, they essentially traded PJ Tucker for Grayson Allen and George Hill. That was the bet they made. And I, I think, you know, we'll see how it looks in the playoffs. Well, it I, helped I, that they were able to keep Bob, Bobby Porras could have gotten more money elsewhere, but Bobby just loves it there. And he took what they could give him. And that was a big thing. Yep. Their, their ability to keep Bobby Portis and Bobby to, to be able to play that role. But now um, they've that's, got that's a big thing. And now you'll go into the playoffs with, you know, once they get Dante DiVincenzo back in a couple months, you got Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, or Grayson Allen, whichever one isn't starting, Bobby Portis, George Hill, all coming off the bench. Assuming Brooke Lopez's back is okay. That's an awfully good bench. And then you're talking about is, a good nine man rotation that you're going to be able to go toe to toe with anybody with. When the chips were on the line last year, Giannis played as a big man. Yep. When it really mattered, Giannis was out there playing center, essentially. And because Lopez has been out, Giannis has had, and Portis has been out. Yep. Giannis has had to play bigger out of necessity early on. And I think the more time he spends doing that, the better off they're going to be. I, I yep. love Giannis in the half court as, as the, uh, you know, the screen guy in the pick and roll. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I love the fact that he's a dude who can grab a rebound and, and, be a one-man fast break, or when things slow down, he can yep. set, set the screen, dive to the basket, and dominate that way. And that's their that's their set play, their pet play late in games is Chris Middleton and Giannis in a pick and roll, and you know it either gets Middleton a shot or Giannis a bucket. And um, yeah, I mean they just 
they look really good. They look really confident. Obviously, it's early. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But, you know, Giannis at the five. And Giannis even talked about how, you know, he hasn't played a ton of minutes at the five. And it's been a bit of an adjustment for him to kind of get familiar with what, it, what you know, Mike Boonwalzer wants him to do. And, yeah, to your point, every minute he's getting at center now, um, you know, going up against guys like Anthony Davis, some of these other guys during the season, it's only going to help them as they get into the playoffs. And, look, if we look ahead to a matchup with the Nets, the Nets are playing a bunch of guys who are 6'8". <laughs> so you can have Giannis out there at center. It's not like he's banging on anybody. He's not going up against a Jokic or an Embiid or one of those kind of guys. So there's no big, there's no penalty. He's going up against Blake center. Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge and right. Bruce Brown. Right. How many yeah. teams in the East, if the Bucks are healthy, do you think would have a decent shot? Not that you would pick, but would have a well, decent shot. To who's pick playing for the 76ers? Because the 76ers are, are damn you, good. You, I didn't hear the end. Of, I didn't hear the end of your question. Sit How down. many teams in the East do you think would have a decent shot to beat a healthy Bucks team in a playoff series? One. Miami or Brooklyn? Uh, well, I, I wasn't thinking about Miami. I, I would give Miami I would give Miami a puncher's chance to win, um, but I don't think their offense would be good enough ultimately in that matchup. Um, but I, I would say two. I, I would give Miami a chance to. Those, those are the two I see. And, and I... You know, I'm, not, I'm not saying I would pick either, but I'm saying those are the two I, I think. I mean, Philly, fight. Philly cannot win that series today. Now, well, yeah. we'll see. Well, no, well, I right now, they have a $33 million hole on their team. So let's see what they look like on February 11th. Right. But as of today, if Ben Simmons, let's just say Ben Simmons, like Kyrie, I'm assuming is not playing this season for their teams. Right. So mm-hmm. take them out. I don't think Brooklyn will beat Milwaukee as they're currently constructed, but they have Fair. a chance to. I think Miami will not beat Milwaukee as currently constructed, but has a chance to. Philly cannot beat Milwaukee as currently constructed, short of a Simmons trade that brings back stuff that can actually be on the court for them now. Yeah. So that's where I stand with that. Uh, the other teams, Washington, Chicago, you know, the other teams after that, they've they're all they're all they're they're solid teams, but they're not good enough to be. I was going to say, how, how far do we want to take our Bulls mea culpa here? <laughs> yeah, we both not, admitted yeah. that we were wrong. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying they've got, I'm not saying they're going to, gonna, the I'm not saying they're going to beat the Bucks, but they, they have definitely been, um, they've definitely been very good. DeRozan plays all 82. He better get MVP votes. Um, <laughs> here we go. 22 points. I can't a game. believe you jumped off the Zach Levine band, bandwagon so quickly. 22 points a game. Now we're in, 46, now we're into DeRozan MVP talk. We're circling back to that. No, 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 no. Just had Who it is this player? 22 oh. points a game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Primarily in a bench role. He has 11 off the bench, four starts. Tyler Hero. 46% shooting overall. Four, 39% on three. I should have known it was Tyler Hero. Brian's Brian's other favorite. Most most imp- can you win most improved and sixth man? I mean, come on. Yes. I mean, let's give him MVP too. Give him the give him the triumvirate. He's playing every game. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to the Collective Podcast. Thank you to McMahon. Welcome back. Thank you to Bontex. Everybody have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, amigos.